Welcome to Northern Nevada Green Living Podcast, where we support your quest for a happier, healthier, planet-friendly life that supports you, your family, and community. We share local information, resources, and support, and opportunities to volunteer for projects that help clean, protect, and repair the environment. This episode is a bonus episode from another show. It includes an interview of a Northern Nevada local who is taking green action through their vocation, volunteer work, or hobby. These stories are interesting and informational and are a great way to get to know our local community better. Today on our podcast, we have someone who owns his own composting service business and has turned this small company into a sustainable, eco-friendly livelihood that takes waste and turns it into thriving soil amendment for home gardeners that are lucky to be using his service. We are talking with Garrett Mangini. Garrett was born and raised in Reno, Nevada. Then he was off to attend college in Southern California, where he earned his bachelor's degree in electrical engineering and spent a few years working for SpaceX, one of Elon Musk's companies. After leaving SpaceX, he had a brief stint in San Francisco and Seattle, where he was at last introduced to composting, and a four-month adventure where he hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. He's been in Reno for about three years, where he's currently working working on building his down-to-earth composting business while striving to lead a more sustainable, joyful life. Welcome, Garrett. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to speak with you and find out more about what you are doing in the Northern Nevada community with your down-to-earth composting service. Yeah, I'm excited to, to share a little bit about my story and definitely been a, one that I couldn't have predicted five, five years ago. Yeah, so using the metaphor of a garden, what in your past helped create the right conditions for you to want to start taking some kind of green action? I think that it it's been it's been bubbling bubbling up kind of my whole life from growing up. So I grew up here in Reno, uh, just well south of Reno in Washoe Valley, and my parents are on five acres out there, and they were both really into riding horses and kind of team roping, rodeo, that whole whole type of culture. And being on five acres, we had plenty of space. We had horses, we had cows, we had dogs, cats, goats, and just kind of got to spend a lot of time outside. My mom had a garden and just that chance and kind of being able to have my hands in the dirt, that was, I would say, the start of it. And then I kind of, the pendulum swung a little bit in the other direction. Um, when I went to college, my dad, he was a, a carpenter, a construction worker for 35, 40 years. And growing up, there was this, like he, he would continually encourage me. They would, my parents would both continually encourage me to get a job where I didn't have to use so much physical muscle and I could use my, my brain a little bit more. And so I'm fortunate to have a, a pretty adept brain when it comes to science and math. So I ended up going and getting my electrical engineering degree and working in the aerospace industry. So this is quite a ways away from sustainability at this point. And it wasn't until I, I kind of saw that contrast and saw what that was like living in Los Angeles, commuting to work, sitting in a cubicle all day, being a very much a consumer of society that I, I kind of came back to my, my roots a little bit, kind of growing up out in rural Nevada, being a little bit more self-sufficient. And yeah, it was just the, the contrast between my growing up and my, my early career that made me realize that living sustainably and living a little bit more simply was a lot more gratifying and filling to me. Oh. 
So what helped you f- decide like Fleon specifically what you wanted to do? It would probably be during the intro you mentioned that I, I threw hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. And that was really it for me. And that was the first time in my life that I had done something that wasn't, that maybe society didn't think was as good of an idea. Before then, going off to college and getting getting an engineering degree, it's like, oh, wow, cool, you're smart, you're going to make a lot of money, like, you'll be successful. And then hiking the Pacific Crest Trail was more, it's like, wait a minute, you're going to quit your job and you're going to go backpack for four months? Like, what are, you, what are you throwing away? Nobody in their right mind would do this. And it was kind of the happiest four months of my life. And that gave me more more confidence in my own intuition to know what I wanted. So I, I would say that the confidence I gained from that experience gave me the confidence to then pursue something in the sustainability sphere. I kind of, I'd been thinking for a while that sustainability and, you know, mitigating the risk of climate change and the impact of climate change that was that seemed more and more important but i was never confident enough to kind of jump in uh, feet first and then after the pct and realizing that you know garrett you you do have a pretty good idea of what you want and a good idea of what is going to bring you joy that was enough to to push me towards this pct meaning pacific coast uh pacific okay gotcha okay So um, when you were introduced to composting, you said you were in um, Seattle? Yeah. Yeah. Ironically, it wasn't something that we did growing up on those those five acres out in Washoe Valley. And it wasn't, yeah, college came and went and it wasn't on my radar. And then living in San Francisco and Seattle where they have their their mandatory uh, curbside organics collection programs. That was the first time I... I really started doing it. And then I found it was, it's like one of those things where once you start, it becomes painful to throw away coffee grounds or eggshells, banana peels, anything that could be composted. Like after that, once it went in the trash, it was just, it was a little bit painful inside. So that was kind of what, when I got back to Reno, I still wasn't really thinking about composting specifically. It was something where my parents and I built a compost bin out at their place and we started composting their animals manure and their food scraps and some of the the leaves and whatnot from their five acres and had a decent sized four bin system there. But it was it was initially for me more about growing healthy food. And that's kind of where my my focus was prior to composting. And then I realized or as I, I learned more you, you see that healthy food, nutrient-dense food, it depends on a healthy, biodiverse soil. And one of the arguably most beneficial things we can do to build healthy, biodiverse soil is to add organic matter and add good quality compost. So I kind of got to the, the composting business in a roundabout way, and it took me about a year of trying to garden and grow food to figure out that composting was the way that that I actually wanted to go. Um, So it it definitely wasn't a a linear journey. So in the beginning, how did you start out once you kind of figured out what you wanted to do? With the composting? Yeah. So when you first started your business or like right before you got into the business, how did you get started? So it was, the composting was more and more on my radar. And then it was a a pretty serendipitous sequence of events. Uh, there was a guy in town, uh, Kyle Isaacson, who runs this awesome nonprofit, the Be the Change Project here in Reno. He 
in 2016, I think, he had started this bike-powered compost collection business, and he was looking to transfer ownership to somebody other than other than himself. He'd kind of, he'd gotten it started. I think he was picking up from about 45 households here in central Reno at the, at the time. And he was looking, yeah, looking to, to hand it off to somebody else. A mutual friend passed that information along to me. And at the time, I was, again, trying to figure out how to make some sort of urban farming, uh, urban gardening business work. And this opportunity to operate this small composting company came up. And it was like, oh, that, you know, composting and gardening, again, like two peas in a pod. That seemed like a really strong synergy. So I spoke with Kyle and he kind of showed me the ropes and what he was doing with the business. And yeah, I took it over and that was about two, two years ago now. Wow. So how did you, like, did you have to get any additional training or you already kind of knew what you were doing with composting from the beginning? You just, how did that work out? Uh, there, there wasn't, I mean, the, the training was really on the job which I found has been the most effective kind of training. Uh, going back to my the work I was doing at SpaceX, it was the on-the-job training in the first six months. I, it seemed like I learned more than I did in my four years at undergrad. Mm. And yeah, every every direction I've gone, it seems like being able to, to kind of lean into that uncertainty and not really knowing what you're doing and kind of accepting that, that is an incredible chance to learn while doing. So I just kind of jumped in and, you know, consulted the resources that are available online, a handful of composting resources here in, in Reno. The I, ILSR, Institute for Local Self-Reliance, they're a nationwide nonprofit that I think does really good work. And one of their initiatives is a community composting initiative. So they kind of link together all of the small companies like Down to Earth um, around the U.S. And mm. I, I'll... I think there's 60 to 100 of us that are doing something similar. Mm -hmm. So that's been a great resource, too, to kind of see how other businesses handle their operations, how they handle um, customer service, how they actually set up their composting and how they manage um, their compost piles so that they stay as odor-free and as nuisance-free as possible. So for me, the biggest thing has been that, that kind of real-world experiential learning. It definitely came with a couple hiccups. Uh, we had some very stinky compost piles um, initially that, oh, what happened? One, we didn't cover, and we got an unseasonable amount of rain over the course of like two weeks here in Reno. So we had this waterlogged, sopping mess that just uh, made my backyard smell lovely. So we learned really, really quickly uh, to cover the compost bins. And then just kind of getting your your mixture right, the ratio of, of browns to greens. And that's been the other, having a, a consistent mixture has been the other challenge that we've, we've learned to, to deal with a little bit better. Wow. So did you have to get equipment? Or are you doing that by hand or? We're still doing most of it by hand. Oh, yeah. um, so we have some smaller sites around Reno that we turn by hand. And that's uh, what we're calling craft compost. And those are just, those are smaller batches. We're talking one yard, two cube, one, one to two cubic yards at a time. And then a bigger spot um, south of Reno where we just have a larger static pile. And the static or static pile doesn't require as, as much turning. And that's something that, that's maybe one of the challenges here is we, you know, when looking at some of the commercial composting facilities, 
there's a lot of heavy machinery and a lot of diesel powered machinery mm. the grinders the big front end loaders the screens the trommel screens i mean we're talking you know thousands of dollars in fuel each month to operate these pieces of equipment and so for someone whose intention is to operate a, a sustainable business an environmentally sustainable business it's it's tough to kind of see that path and then want to go down that path towards big machines and you know more CO2 emissions. So it's a, a trade-off that we're constantly aware of here is you know how much do we want to pursue you know growth and expansion and automation and machinery versus how much do we just want to kind of re refine the systems rely more on muscle over motor and just accept the the trade-offs and the limitations that that's going to have to the business's potential to scale gotcha so how did you you start you said you started with like 45 or 48 families yeah. Okay. That. And then like from there, how did you kind of bring your own personality and kind of grow the business from where it was in the beginning? That's a good question. So the business, when we, when we took it over, it was called the Reno Rot Riders and the branding, the logo, it had like a very, uh, maybe Harley Davidson feel to it. Uh, orange and black and just some like really bold and at the time I was the business that I was running was called down to earth gardens and there was a great a great company here in Reno they're called bare knuckle branding they did kind of the the branding for that gardening business and it was called down to earth gardens because they kind of interviewed me and got to know me and that's how they described me personally was down to earth, pretty pragmatic, pretty nice. you know, straightforward. And they thought that that was also a good name for a gardening company. And I agreed. And so when we took over the Reno Rot Riders, it seemed challenging to manage both down to earth gardens and this other brand. So we rebranded the Reno Rot Riders as down to earth composting. And I think just the name, a name like down to earth, you're expecting just a very real, personable, simple interaction. And that's kind of how I am I'm, when it comes to like marketing and sales and that the type of push advertising that you can maybe associate with, with marketing or sales. Mm -hmm. I really don't like that when people try and push that on me. So that's part of down to earth, not really pushing that on anyone else and just speaking our truths the best that we can being content with the organic growth that comes from that like if we're here being ourselves and speaking what's true to us then it might take a little longer but i think we'll still find our ways into the lives of the the people who our message resonate resonates with so did you find like word of mouth was helpful or yeah yeah. yeah, word of mouth has been the most helpful. About a year ago, we started tracking how our new members heard about us. And so about a third of new signups come from word of mouth. Mm -hmm. uh, another maybe quarter come from just online. So folks just, you know, they Googled composting in Reno, Googled down to earth composting if they'd seen our bikes and trailers around, or they were just looking, trying to learn how to live more sustainably. And through some way or another, they ended up at down to earth site. So word of mouth and then just the online, I don't know, SEO, if you want to call that search yeah. engine optimization. Nice. Those have been our two, the two biggest channels. And we, we don't spend hardly any money on paid advertising. Uh, we tried a little bit. 
you know, putting ads in a magazine, or we were also fortunate and had interviews on a handful of the local news stations here around town. Oh, nice. Uh, and it just, like, those didn't seem to have the same sort of impact that word of mouth did. And that's kind of my my perspective, is that if we can offer really good customer service and be, I think about it, be remarkable. If you're remarkable in how you serve your current members, then they're going to remark about you to their friends and to their family and to the people that they're around the most. So for me, that's kind of our, that's always been our, my take on growth is just do a good job and have some patience and let the organic growth do its thing. So you mentioned to me before that part of your business is um, through a farmer's market where you do um, people bring the compost to or to the food scraps to you and then the rest is where you go and pick it up. So did you start with that? In the beginning, did you? Nope, we weren't going to the farmer's market. So a, a rough timeline, February 2018 was when we took over the, the business and re, rebranded it as Down to Earth Composting. And then the drop-off program we ended up implementing in October or November of 2018. And we did that because we got a lot of online inquiries or phone calls that would say, hey, I'm outside your service area because we're doing, we're doing all of this pickup on bicycles, mm. pulling bike trailers. Uh, and Reno, unfortunately, isn't the most flat city out there. <laughs> so there's a lot of areas that we don't serve, that we didn't serve at the time with our weekly collection. And it was just a question that we kept getting asked again and again was, like, I'm outside your service area. What can I do? Uh, and for <laughs> for the longest time, we didn't have an answer there. And then um, one of our team members who moved here from New York, he mentioned that they had, New York City had a drop-off program where people would bring their buckets of food scraps to these drop-off points. And I was initially like, huh, that seems really, really odd. Like, are people really that... <laughs> Like it's kind of that, that people are that excited or, or, or understand the benefits and the importance of composting their food scraps that much to go out of their way and, mm -hmm. and take their food scraps to these drop-off points. Yeah. So we started offering that program. And yeah, that was oh about a year and a half ago now. And Great. it has about 370 members here wow. in Reno. Wow. So it grew and is, is used um, much more than I ever expected. Awesome. So yeah. So you have mentioned some of the, the challenges, a little bit of that. Um, when you came across challenges or tough times, did you have anything that particularly helped you make it through or kind of keep the faith as you were building things up? Uh, there, there have definitely been been challenges. I think anyone who, who runs a small business knows, knows that. For me, it's nothing that I would say is specific to composting, but it has been the my mindfulness practice. Maybe five years ago, five or six years ago, I was introduced to meditation and I started to sit on a somewhat regular basis. I, I wouldn't consider it a lot, maybe a, a 10 minute meditation three to four times per week. And gradually I've gotten to the point where I sit for about half an hour every day. And just that the mindfulness and being able to to kind of observe and notice when I'm frustrated or don't seem to have a lot of energy or I'm like I'm placing these labels on myself and, and judging myself for not being a good enough business owner or for not knowing what to do. Um, all these these stories that I tell myself about how you know, this isn't worth it. This is too hard. That's 
you know, that, that's probably the biggest challenge is that maintaining that motivation and that the energy on a, a consistent day-to-day -day basis. And so I found that rather, for me, the most, mm, the most helpful approach, rather than try and push that feeling off when I feel it, it has been to, you know, now that I, I have more of the skill to notice, okay, like you're, yep, this is how you're feeling. And just acknowledging that helps me kind of get through those, those downs a lot quicker. So, so yeah, the mindfulness muscle and the, the mindfulness practice has, has really helped get through a lot of the challenges with down to earth. And a lot of the challenges, I think, as, as the owner of a small business, they are their personal challenges. And I, I do believe that a business is only going to grow as much as the, the owner and the team grows. So yeah, I think it's, it's important for, for the owner to continue to grow and, and push themselves. And that's also for me been the, the biggest challenge is to continue that, that growth and that pushing. Yeah. Some of the ways that, um, what are some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards from your composting? I mean, obviously there's the tangible rewards, which would be compost. What is that like, you know, when you're able to, you know, take those food scraps in and then deliver? That, to me, that full circle nature of this business is one of the more um, exciting aspects of it. I think that that type, of, that type of mindset, keeping resources local and being able to reuse, recycle, rot, um, whenever we can. I don't know, it just, it, it seems, it feels peaceful, I would say. Peaceful knowing that the work that you are doing, or in, in our members' cases, the, the business that they're contributing to, the, the energy that they're contributing to, that is, it's working in a way that's more in alignment with nature. And I think being able to, to be a part of that on a daily basis, you know, back to your previous question, that that's probably another thing that helps get through those challenging times to, to remind yourself. And again, it's not something that I, I can always remind myself if I'm not being mindful and being present, mm -hmm. but being able to step back and, and remind ourselves that like, yes, this is, even if it only seems like a, a little nudge in a more sustainable, more balanced direction, every bucket that a member drops off or every time they set out their bucket for weekly collection, that is just a, a little, a little nudge towards a more sustainable future. And so those, it's like being able to, to notice all of those moments day after day. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, that helps keep it going. If your ideas and your experience and your wisdom were all wrapped up into new seeds of potential action that you could give to another person, maybe in another city, what advice would you give to someone who is considering this? I would say just start. <laughs> uh, and I know that's easier said than done. And it, yeah, it sounds so simple. Just start. But that's like for me, I could sit and you know, think about things and tell myself all sorts of stories for why this will or this won't work. And in my experience, like you don't really know until you're out there doing it, trying it, messing up, uh, but knowing that those mess ups are moving you more in the direction like they're they're teaching you. Mm -hmm kind of refining the direction that you want to go or how you want to do things. And you're not going to have that those learning opportunities if you don't mess up and you're not going to mess up if you don't just start. Yeah. So yeah, I would say that I, I do know that it's so much easier said than done. Um, just start. And then, so for me, making that a little bit more tangible, um, let's say that somebody maybe wants to start a composting business like, like down to earth, mm -hmm. similar. Right. Um, like ask yourself the question, okay, what is like, what's the first 
what is a first step? It doesn't even have to be the right first step. It just has to be a first step. So whether or not that's going, like, and this is this is uncomfortable, like going and talking to your neighbor or people on your block and just like asking questions, learning if the vision that you have is something that other people share. Um, I think that's a, a good place to start to make sure that you're not that you're not spending time and effort going down this this path pursuing this vision that ultimately other people don't share yeah so if you wanted to um, recommend a book or a website or a film I know you did mention a website earlier yeah some things that come to mind so like I mentioned earlier the ILSR Institute for Local Self-Reliance that's a really good website okay. uh, one of the more helpful books to me right now I'm going to forget its name um, Drawdown I believe is the name Okay. and it's, it's basically a very uh, kind of scientific analytic approach it says you know if we if society implemented the these 100 sustainable solutions, the technology for which already exists, if we implement, like, here's the top 100 solutions that could eliminate or that could um, decrease CO2 emissions. Uh, for example, composting, commercial composting, I think, is, like, number 63 on that list. Hmm. So that, for me, was a really good, a good a good way to visualize, like, oh, if I'm interested in sustainability and don't really know where to start, here's 100 ideas that will all make a difference. So do any of those appeal to me? And specific to composting, Dr. Elaine Ingham, which I think you, yeah, you and I have talked a little bit about her videos that are available on YouTube, um, some of the videos that are available on her Soil Food Web website. Those have all been helpful for me to really understand the role that compost, that organic matter plays in soil and plays in um, plant growth. So those are are three big ones that come to mind um, specifically as it pertains to to composting and just sustainable living in general. That's great. Do you have any upcoming event or project that you would like to share with others? Well, with with the social distancing that's going on right now, we unfortunately don't have have many events on the calendar. Uh, The biggest thing is that we've just expanded our weekly pickup service to all of of Reno and Sparks. So earlier I mentioned that uh, when we started this, we were just serving a, a couple neighborhoods. And as of this morning, we've made the announcement that we're going to open that up to all of Reno and Sparks. So awesome. How would you like people to contact you? You can find us online, uh, www.downtoearthcomposting.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at Down to Earth Composting. Thank you for listening to Northern Nevada Green Living Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe to this show so we can send you monthly episodes and keep you up to date on opportunities for eco-friendly living in Northern Nevada. For now, please take good care of you and yours, stay well, and help us all make this a kinder, healthier, and greener community for all.